This is a new year, and many Americans are making a new year's resolution. And uh, according to statistics, there are four most common New Year's resolutions. So let's imagine ourselves to be in the family feud. And guess what the top four New Year's resolution of 2020? Okay. Lose weight. That's the number four, 37%. Okay, another person. Huh? I really love Ellie. Shame on your parents, adult. Read the Bible more. Okay, that's a, too holy for many people. <laughs> exercise, right. Uh, exercise more is the number one, 50%. Anyone? Save money. Thank you. I hope that you follow your resolution. <laughs> Save not only your money, your parents' money. It's 49%, and they're eating more healthy, 43%. And I saw some uh, very uh, uh, interesting New Year's resolution. Uh, somebody said, I want to look skinnier, so I'm going uh, to help all my friends gain 10 pounds more. <laughs> and someone said, yeah, I was going to quit all my bad habits for the New Year. Uh, but then I remember nobody likes quitter. <laughs> and uh, Another person said, my resolution was to read more, so I put the subtitles on my TV. <laughs> and a teenager said, I, want, I need to be smarter, so I'm going to use a smartphone more. <laughs> Whatever resolutions or rededications we make, I pray that God help all of us to be more faithful than ever in 2020. Because without faithfulness, we cannot grow and glorify God. Watchman Nee, a famous uh, Chinese Christian leader, once said this, spiritual advancement, spiritual advancement is measured by faithful obedience. There is no spiritual advancement or growth without obedience. And there is no obedience without faithfulness. Success is a world standard. But God's standard is a faithfulness. God's standard is a faithfulness. Our Lord Jesus repeatedly say, when we are faithful with the little things, he will put us in charge of uh, bigger things. Faithfulness to little things are where I want us to start 2020. And today I want us to know one of the uh, unsung heroes of the New Testament who exemplify such a faithfulness. I entitled the message, Uncommon Faithfulness. And because he was ironically so common and ordinary, yet he is so consistent and dependable that actually I feel very inspired and find his life to be uncommonly faithful. And his name is Tychicus or Tychicus. I preached about Tychicus several years ago, and I promise you, every time you're about to forget his name, I'm going to bring it back. Where do we find the Tychicus? We find the Tychicus in several books of the New Testament. While there's no single long passage about him, and I cannot do usual uh, expository sermon, I'm actually very encouraged to see Tychicus 
named Tychicus scattered throughout the Paul's letter and life. Tychicus is like a seasoning salt. It's sort of melted in every, you know, seasoning salt is invisible, but you taste it. It's not visible, but you sense its presence. Tychicus is not obvious, but definitely he is extraordinary. Extraordinarily ordinary. So we'll look at the four passages in the Bible that talks about Tychicus. Number one about Tychicus. First time we find the Tychicus is Acts chapter 20, verse 1 to 4. Acts 20, verse 1 to 4. And uh, let's read uh, responsibly. So brothers and sisters, it's Acts chapter 20, verse 1 to 4. Let's read. Brothers, we go first. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people where he stayed three months, because some Jews had plotted against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater's son of Pyrrhus uh, from Berea, Aristarchus, and Sagundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also, Tychicus, and Trumpus from province of Asia. So first thing we know about Tychicus is a companion of uh, Paul. Companion of uh, Paul. Tychicus was one of eight companions of Apostle Paul. In his second missionary journey, Paul in his life, he did a three missionary journey. This was second missionary journey. Tychicus was a bodyguard of a Paul because according to verse 3, Paul received a threat from fellow Jews. And Tychicus is from province of Asia, which means today is a Western uh, Turkey, Western Turkey. He was a Greek. He was a pagan. But by grace of God, Tychicus met Apostle Paul, and through Paul, he met Christ. Now, who was a Paul at the time? Today, we recognize Paul as a, one of the greatest servants of God, probably the most influential New Testament figure next to Jesus. But back then, Paul didn't look that important. He was just a traveling Jewish rabbi who was persecuted by his own people. And then Paul described you know, his condition. Uh, he, Paul described about, we know a little bit about Paul from his letters and the other people's perception of Paul. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, Paul said this. Some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he's unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. What does that tell you? That means he doesn't have a personal charisma to draw people. Tychicus must receive the gospel, and then the gospel completely, radically transformed him, transformed him, that he began to follow Paul and the work for the gospel. Now, he was one of the, I said earlier, the eight men in the company of Apollo, Paul's band of brothers. Now, Tychicus' name was appeared in which, which order? Number seven. And you need to know in the Bible, order of appearance of names 
implies the order of importance or significance in the community. For instance, when uh, Matthew and Luke, they enlist the 12 disciples or apostles, guess whose name comes first? Always Peter's name comes first because Peter is the leader. Side point, whose name comes at last? Judas Iscariot, because it, we all know. Now, <laughs> and even in Paul, when his first missionary journey, actually it described that Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas' name came first. But in the middle of the journey, Paul did, Paul's uh, role became a bigger, such as performing miracle and Lucius and so forth. So Paul's name began to appear before the Barnabas. And some New Testament scholars they speculate that, ah, that might be a possible reason that John Mark, the Barnabas cousin, resented that leadership change and abandoned or deserted that missionary band. But once again, the name of an order, name, the order of an appearance of a name, it implies importance. Tychicus' name was mentioned second from the last. That means he was not that important in that company. It's not significant as others. Yet Tychicus was faithful. I might say uncommonly faithful. You know, some people serve only when there's a title. Some people serve only there is a recognition. Some people say when pastor plead, them, plead with them, Tychicus served simply because there is a need. So first thing about Tychicus is a companion of Paul. Second thing about Tychicus, he is a letter carrier. He's a carrier of a Paul's letter. And second time we see Tychicus is Ephesians chapter 6, and let me read. Ephesians chapter 6, 21 and 22. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. This time, Paul was in prison. Again, Tychicus was serving this unfortunate Jewish religious rabbi and now prisoner. And he was a Paul's personal attendant and a letter carrier. And at the time, you know, Paul later, Paul described his difficult situation that he and his band of brothers were enduring for ministry in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 11 and 12. So let me read that for you. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in wrecks. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become scum of the earth, garbage of the world right up to this moment. Paul and his band of brothers were considered scums of the earth and garbages of the world. And Tychicus went through everything with Paul that when Paul actually sent Tychicus to Ephesian church, Tychicus could tell them all the detailed situation of a Paul. Tychicus experience all the hardship with Paul. You know, someone defined the friendship in this way. True friend is someone stays with you while whole world works out. 
You know, one good thing about crisis, crisis reveal who is your true friend, right? That's a good thing about uh, crisis or bad time. If you have a friend like Tychicus, you are really blessed. And if you become uh, somebody like Tychicus to someone else, you are more blessed because you became a blessing to others. Name Tychicus actually came from Greek word tuke, which means fortune. So his parents, when they may name him Tychicus, they basically they meant we want you to be a fortuitous, you know, man. In today's term, is a uh, we 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 hope that you become lucky. So Tychicus simply means lucky. You know, who is a lucky? Tychicus or people who met Tychicus? Tychicus made everybody lucky because he's an uncommon faithfulness. Amen? I want all of us become lucky to other people in 2020. Once again, for that, you don't have to do great things. Little things that God entrusted you, we can be a blessing to other people. Let me move on to the third thing about Tychicus. He's a companion and letter carrier. Third thing about Tychicus, he was comforter. Tychicus also delivers another letter of Paul, and this time was a Colossians. By the way, Colossians and Ephesians were written at the same time in the same prison. So they are the twin letters. So New Testament scholars, whenever they study Colossians, they always refer to Ephesians and vice versa. Because it can kind of complete the whole idea. So like uh, you write a Christmas card, in one card you say Merry Christmas, in the other card you say Joy of the Lord be with you. Same thing, right? But a kind of different expression. And so this time when Paul sent a letter to Colossians through Tychicus, this is what Paul said about Tychicus in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, that he may encourage your heart. Again, he, is, he may encourage your heart. He is a coming with Onesimus, our faithful dear brother, who is one of you, that will tell you everything that is happening here. Both letters describe the Tychicus mission, which was encouraging others. And this time, Tychicus for uh, Colossian, he was delivering more than letter. He was actually delivering a guy named uh, Onesimus. Anybody knows who Onesimus was? That's right. He was a former I mean, slavery, former runaway. He ran away from his uh, master, guy named uh, Philemon, Philemon, and he happened to be living in Colossae. And uh, Onesimus met Paul in prison, and somehow he received Christ through the Paul. And now Paul is sending Onesimus back to his master's house to make a restitution. And those of you who know a little bit about the slavery, condition of a, in a, a slavery and their rights in the Greco-Roman world, they don't have no right. Runaway slavery, only thing waiting for them is a punishment. And that is a justified. 
So Paul is saying, so if you're, you know, Onesimus, how do you feel? You're going back to face your former master. And Paul's, Paul was saying that he's a Christian, he will be kind to you. But there must be some unsolved anxiety. And Paul entrusts Onesimus, whom he called my son, to Tychicus. Because Tychicus, I bet, he was not only faithful, but gentle. Tychicus is an encourager. The Greek word for encourager is a parakleo, which actually came from John chapter 14, when Jesus described the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask my Father to send you another comforter to help you and be with you forever. That word for Holy Spirit, comforter, is a paraklete, which came from the verb parakaleo. And here we need to make an important spiritual observation that the God's instrument is a truthful person, more than talented person, when it comes to encouraging. God's encouragement, the instrument of encouragement, is not a famous person, but a faithful person. On that note, I want us to know this very clearly. Do you know God uses our availability far more than our abilities? We underestimate our availability. We overestimate our ability. You think that, uh, because, you know, I'm a whatever gift or, I, you know, Pastor Paul is a professional, he can do more? No, think again. God uses available people far more than able people. Amen? And that's why in every house church, I want, at the beginning of the year, I want to remind you, what is the common, you know, three, you know, threefold commitment of every member and leader of our church? SOS. What does the SOS stand for? That's the, we have a, those of you new to our church, we have a small group ministry called the House Church Ministry, and we all pledge, make a pledge to this basic community commitment called SOS. S stands for? Show up. Or? Open up. The final S, seek out the VIP or lost. Show up. Show up matters because when you show up, then you will witness God's work. If you don't show up, you won't experience it. You will miss it. You know, my track record in this church, every time I prepared a sermon that I really, really feel comfortable, I mean, I felt so, okay, I prepare better sermons than others, time. And that's when many of you are not here. <laughs> so every time I prepare a sermon very early, I have a sense of a feeling that it's just going to be low attendance Sunday, and boom, sure, you're not there. You know? So, I mean, show up matters. Availability matters in ministry. You know, a lot of times, I just visit somebody who is in struggling, and uh, even though I'm a pastor, I have no idea. I don't have a specific advice. I just go, and uh, oftentimes I just pray. 
And people later say that was a great help. And I just say that was God, not me, because I was clueless. And oftentimes that's what happens in the house church. Now, on the note of availability, I want to add one more thing to all good people who showed up in the first Sunday of the year. Can you add a punctuality? Can you come on time? Can you come a little early? You know, one thing that, you know, I mean, I understand sometimes, you know, I come also late to certain appointments and church meetings. But those, some of people are habitually late. And my big question is, are you habitually late at your work? And I bet you are not. You don't send your, especially parents, I want you to don't come church early. Don't rush them after, you know, we, we, we start to worship and they either send the wrong, you know, parenting, Christian parenting starts with that. If you bring your kid, if you, while you're sending your kid on time to school, if you show them church you can be late, what are you telling them? Jesus is a secondary. And that is a failure of a Christian parenting. So beginning of the year, I want to say loud and clear. Come to church, you know, worship, house church, you know, fellowship. Just a, just a little bit early. Just make a habit. And it will encourage other people. Let me move on to quickly to the fourth characteristic of this unsung hero. Last time we see Tychicus was when Paul was in prison for the second time and final time. And uh, Paul became a death row prisoner. And Paul described his depressing situation honestly in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let me read for you. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved the world, he uh, has deserted me, has gone to Thessalonica. Christians have gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with, with you, because it's a help to me in my ministry. I send Tychicus to Ephesus. Ephesus, when you come, bring the clock that I left with the coppers at Troas and my scroll, especially the parchment. This is the last, you know, uh, chapter of a Paul's letter is incredibly comforting and challenging to me. The greatest apostle of all time. He died lonely. He even felt called that I'll bring on my outer garments. And then, you know, he's an intellectual. Bring my books. I want a little more. And the only one who stayed with Paul was Luke, the physician. Tychicus also was with, with Paul, but because of a growing, intensifying persecution and then all the struggles, ensuing struggles and Ephesus, Paul had to send Tychicus to calm down the situation. So last thing we find about Tychicus is a confident. He was confident to the end. He stood by Paul's side to the last minute. Now, let me sum up Tychicus. You know, Tychicus was so-called a layman. He's not a professional. At best, he's a vocational minister who assisted a traveling pastor or a missionary rabbi. I don't, I don't know whether he was, never, he was ever paid. Definitely, he never became famous. 
Do you know anybody named Tychicus in your life? Do you know anybody named the child Tychicus? We know a lot of Pauls, right? Every church I go to, there are so many Paul Kims. So I always insist that my name is not Paul Kim. I'm a Paul I Kim. Paul I, I, I. I emphasize my middle initial because a lot of people confuse me. Good Paul Kim and bad Paul Kim. So oh, when it's a good Paul Kim, I say, yeah, I'm Paul Kim. But, thank you. but uh, Tychicus, who knows Tychicus? No one named their kid after Tychicus. But do you think Tychicus' life was easier, less busy than Paul? As we just read, he was as busy as Paul was, serving the gospel together. Tychicus he's probably spent his life as a single because everything that Paul described about Tychicus, you cannot hold a family and then travel and all this. In short words, Tychicus' life was an epitome of a total selfless commitment without reputation, without financial compensation, and without family comfort, Tychicus served God and his people. What an uncommon faithfulness. When I get to heaven, I want to many people. I want to definitely meet Paul because I'm named after him. <laughs> but among Paul's band of brothers, I want to meet Tychicus. I really do. I really want to meet Tychicus. Now, for conclusion, I want to share a little bit about Paul's the impact that Tychicus left on Paul. Both Colossians and Ephesians, Paul described Tychicus in this work. Beloved brother, dear brother. Dear brother literally means beloved brother. And a faithful servant or faithful ministers. Faithful, but in actually in Greek it's the same word. The servant there is a diakonos, from which we have English word, deacon. And diakonos is an interesting Greek word. It's a compound word. Dia means through. Konos, konos means a dirt or dust. Through the dirt or dust. So Greek's idea of a servant is somebody who's busy serving, that uh, they're like a Spirit Gonzalez or Road Runner, that uh, they, are, they are so fast serving. There is uh, you know, dust behind them. That's a servant. And Paul said, he's a dear brother and faithful servant. By that, Paul means this. Tychicus served me and with me, not because he felt inferior or I'm a superior to him, because serving the Lord. We are the serving the same Lord. That's why Paul called him, he's a fellow servant, fellow minister. That's what, who we are. Regardless of our titles and our you know, gifts and everything, we are fellow servants of God. Amen? Tychicus reminds me of uh, one famous Christian in, in the early church. And I want to talk briefly about him. His name is Anthony of Egypt. Anthony of Egypt. Saint Anthony of Egypt he was inspiration to many Christians, including uh, St. Augustine, Athanasius, all the church fathers. They all want to be St. Anthony. And let me tell you briefly about St. Anthony. Anthony was born in a fairly rich family. And after his parents passed away, he was 
uh, taking care of his younger sister. And one day he went to church and heard the preaching about a rich young ruler whom went away from Jesus after hearing Jesus' command and sell everything, give to the poor, and follow me. When he heard that sermon, it convicted him. He said, I'm not going to be that rich young ruler. I'm going to follow Christ. So except the little money he left for his sister, younger sister, he gave everything to the poor. He went to the desert. That's where the, you know, uh, the uh, monks went at the time. Egyptian desert. And uh, he became a monk. And back then, monks, they, uh, they lived on the sort of a top of the stone pillar or caves, uh, natural caves, and that's where they meditate on God. You, some of you have been to uh, you know, uh, Sedona or you know, whatever, the beautiful desert, there's a stone pillar. So. Anthony was the most legendary among the, all the desert monks or desert fathers because people said, unlike uh, you know, the rest of them, Anthony was really focusing on God. And you can see his praise many, many days and so forth. So after you know, a few years, his fame spread entire Egyptian desert or Sahara, that area. And then many, many monks came and then asked him, Brother Anthony, please come down and teach us how to follow God. But Anthony just replied that, I don't have, I'm not better than any one of you. Just do your thing. And people were desperate. And soon there were huge following, several hundred people in below is a stone pillar and asking, Anthony, have we, please, God, send Anthony to us. Help us to be a better monks, better followers of God. So finally, Anthony came down after several months of uh, people splitting. And when he came down, people were so excited. It's like a Super Bowl crowd that uh, they were chanting, Anthony, Anthony. Shall we chant together? <laughs> On count of three. Anthony, 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 Anthony. Well, if somebody... Change your, I mean, if a group of several hundred people change your name like that, how do you feel? If you call Paul Kim, Paul I Kim, Paul I Kim, if I say, you know, somebody, somebody change my name, I mean, the group, I mean, several hundred people group like that, I'll probably say, I'll at least say, you know, you know, I'll do that, whatever. We'll kind of express something, right? But a people, according to, Athanasius wrote a book about this, the St. Anthony's life. That is actually, oh, you can, uh, you can read it in Google. The entire text is in Google. You can buy the book. It's only 80 pages. According to Athanasius, you know, uh, writing of a life of Anthony, what people, the people found out that there was no change of a facial expression in Anthony. He was just as calm as he was before. And he just, you know, talk to everyone and hear their concern and pray for them. And that's what early Christians called icon of apatheia. Apatheia is a great Christian virtue, which means divine essence. 
the number one divine essence of all people, both pagan and Christians, believe about God is apatheia. Apatheia is a Greek word. Okay, it's a, a plus pathos. That means non-suffering. Non-suffering. A pathos. A means denial, right? Pathos means non-suffering. People believe one thing about God is that God cannot suffer. God cannot suffer by, God cannot be affected by creature, creation, because it's a different level. Do you follow? So some people, some translate this as uh, the essence of immutability or impassibility, unchanging, unsuffering nature of God. Now, Unfortunately, we got a, a common English word out of uh, in apatheia, which is apathy, which means indifference, indifference, right? And that's what exactly Greeks believe about God. They say God, the God, the real God, is indifferent because we are inferior being. He does, he doesn't care whatever happened to this world. Christians, they took. There's a Greek notion of apatheia, and they say our God is not only transcendent as a creator, but also as our Father and Savior. He cares us more than anything. He is both transcendent and imminent or intimate. And apatheia, God is so God, apatheia is the essence of God that is actually describes God's perfection. And the early Christians believed that apatheia means. God is totally transcendent, and God doesn't need us, yet God loves us. Why? He wants to love us. It, it expresses God's pure love for us. God is one who has a pure love for us. He has no other alter, you know, ulterior motive to love us. He loves us simply because he wants to love us. He loves us not to gain something from us, just to love us. That is our God. And the early Christians, they all want to sort of follow and experience God's apatheia. That is, you are serving God, not because you get some reward, not because others will, you know, applause or recognition, but you serving God because you want to serve God, period. Because you know God is good enough for you. You know God is a great. God is your reward. God is your energy. God is your joy. That's the reason you serve. You don't need any other formation but simply God. That is an apatheia. And that's why early Christians, they were inspired by Anthony. There are a lot more stories about Anthony. Ask me later and I can share more. You know, one of the reasons that I, some of you know that my favorite Christian novel is Dostoyevsky's Brothers of Karamazov. You know why I love, that's my favorite. The third uh, son of a Karamazov, Alosha Karamazov, exemplify apatheia. So I, I, you know, I can't wait that when we finish the Kuchapur College three-year curriculum and fourth-year elective course, I want to read uh, Brothers of Karamazov, it's a long novel. But I want to take you through every incident of Apatheia through the Elosha's life. So beautiful. 
it helped me a lot because sometimes I wonder if Jesus comes to today, what did he look like? You know, Netflix came up this a new series called The Messiah. You know? <laughs> Sorry. The, the Brothers Karamazov, they really, Dostoevsky actually shows about what apotheosis looks like. You are serving God. Not because of something else, but purely because you know how good, worthy God is. I have a one more person to introduce, and I'll close with that. Speaking about uncommon faithfulness, there is Christian, Korean Christian, elder, later become an educator, named uh, Sung Hun Lee, or Namgan, Namgan Lee Sung Hun. He was born in uh, 1864, and he was born in poor family. He lost his parents when he was young. So he became an indentured servant to uh, rich people. And he went to this rich people's family just to you know, get uh, food and shelter. And he was so grateful for his master. So he, but he was just a boy, so you know, he said, sir, what can I help? Everybody said, ah, you don't, you know, we don't, you, you know, they basically said, just a, whatever. They didn't took him, so he's been observing. And then he found something to do. And guess what that was? Let me show you the next one. Anybody knows what this is? That's right, it's called Yogandanji. What is Yogandanji? This is a portable, uh, you know, uh, toilet pot. They left it in the room at nighttime. You don't have, you don't go all the way out of the house, so you just open and you do your thing and then close it. That's it. Every room in this rich household is. Sungunli found out that uh, this is a one thing that uh, all servants do not, I mean, they don't want to clean. In the morning. In the morning, you have to dump it and clean. So he found that this is something that nobody wants to do it. So guess what? He went to, first thing in the morning, he went to every room, get this, you know, yogang, and then he dumped in the, you know, uh, carefully took it and dumped it in the outer house and brought bed and he washed it and then he actually shined it. He cleaned this all clean and put back each room. The master, Few weeks later, notice that all of a sudden the yogang is a shining. <laughs> Before it was just there, but now it's a shining like a special, you know, expensive pottery. And he said, "Hey, who is the cleaning up?" And they found there was a little boy, indentured servant, voluntarily cleaning that toilet, horrible toilet container. And the master said, you are not meant to be a servant. You're meant to be a leader. Because you're willing to take the things that nobody wants to do it, and not only do it, but do it out of gratitude. I'm going to train you and help you. So he kind of a semi-adopted him, and the train is a trade, and he became a very, very successful businessman, and later he became a Christian. And then he started a Christian school called the Osan School in North Korea. And all many, many great Christian patriots and Christian leaders came out of this school. Once again, 
Greatness doesn't come from great work. Greatness always starts with a little thing. You know, uh, D.L. Moody one time heard the testimony from one of his uh, uh, associates who are really dedicating, and he was always admired his dedication. And one day he said, John, how could you, what, what, you know, I'm, I'm really touched by your dedication. And then John said, well, Dwight is not, God basically said, I had a dream one day. When I was young, I was very arrogant, and then one day I had a dream. In that dream, I went to heaven. In the heaven, I saw the, the New Jerusalem. You know, according to Revelation, it is a city with a few, you know, all the precious gems and so forth. And as I was, you know, admiring that the New Jerusalem wall, I noticed that there was a one stone missing. I mean, everything was beautiful, but the one stone was missing. I, I, I saw, when I saw Jesus, I said, Jesus, this is incredible, but there's a one stone is missing. And Jesus told me, that's your stone. Because of your arrogance, you're not serving, and that's what is missing. He walked up from that dream. He said, whatever ministry, whatever task, I'll serve because every little thing matters to God. Dear brothers and sisters, 2020, we begin. Let's commit to little things. You know, all the great things we try to do happens with the little things. Coming church on time, going to house church on time. I, you know, last year, I, I'm sorry, Danny's you know, New Year's resolution is to win the Faithful Tree Award. And he got it. You know, the face, that's a, uh, the number one attendance, you know, a reward in our church. We're a small church, so whoever, you know, you know. Hopefully, you can repeat. <laughs> no, we try to give to somebody. Once you get it, you don't get it a second time. <laughs> and, you know, reading the Bible, four chapters a day, you can finish the entire Bible. Little things. God doesn't call us to love everybody, but at least to those people in our life, we can love. Let's be a church of uncommon faithfulness. Let's serve one another because God is our reward, and his love is more than enough for you and me. Let's pray.